0: One of the amazing things about growing older is that you get to become a grandparent, and you begin to experience the opportunities to go to all kinds of grandchildren activities. Softball, baseball, ballet, all that good stuff. And this weekend was a recital. Now, I don't know anything about dancing, okay? Absolutely zip. I was raised that dancing was of the devil, okay, that if you were going to dance, you had to close the blinds on your house, and you had to dance just with your wife and no one else. So for me to go to a dance recital is a big undertaking. And we went, and there was flowers, and there was parents and grandparents, beautiful costume, beautiful music, uh, beautiful movement, and I don't understand a thing. And right in the middle of one of these performances, somebody would start clapping, and you would hear this shouting going on there. And I'm going, What's happened? They knew what was going on, okay? They knew what was happening. They knew the skill that it took to perform that particular activity. And so, therefore, they responded with it. I was just sitting there going, Well, let's see here. Another 30 minutes. It's our perception, is it not? And as I look at Mother's Day, I realize that a lot of what's happening today is our perception. Because many of us that come here today may have a difficult day. This could be the hardest day of your life. Because as you perceive your mother, you may have some mixed feelings. Others of you, this is a fantastic day. This is just super. You know, all the memories that you have of your mom, all the things that she did in your life, all the influences, it was fantastic. And when I looked at the Word of God, I realized that these two perspectives are found in Scripture. In the book of Genesis, the 25th chapter, we find the account of Jacob and Esau. They were brothers, twins. Jacob being the oldest, I'm Esau being the oldest, and Jacob being the youngest. And as you look at their life, you realize something. You realize that they saw their mothers totally different. ...than anything else. And it isn't working there. Okay, we had it going on this morning, early. Esau saw his mother, who Rebecca means noose, rope, with a noose in it, which is an interesting definition of her name. But he looked at her and he saw his mother as being unable to bond with him. And bonding, when we were raising our girls really wasn't a term that we used a lot. It was, not, it was not something that we grabbed a hold of. We knew that you had kids, you took care of your kids, you fed them, you, know, you put them to bed, you changed their clothes, you educated them, and Lord bless you, one day you got to send them to college, and they would get married, and you would be the happy dad of walking down there and giving away the bride. But bonding became a term a few years ago that talked about that relationship between a mom and a child in which they would uh, have this intense uh, connection between them. And it could happen with the father. It could happen with other members of the family. But it was that bonding that took place, that nurturing that would go on. And if you looked at Time Magazine or watched the news this week, you saw that we've gone a little bit farther than that, haven't we? We've gone to uh, what is called this attachment bonding. That the kids would sleep with you for as long as they want. Okay, so you need not only a king-size bed, you may need two king-size beds. And that you would nurture them intensely for as long as they want. That you would strap them to yourself and you would carry them wherever you go. Interesting, to say the least but you know that bonding did not take place with esau and as you look at that when we fail to bond it brings about that emotional trauma in our life that we become unable to empathize with others we find ourselves finding it difficult to love one another we find it hard to respond to other people in our lives we like our space we cut ourselves off failure to bond is an important facet of our life that we need to be concerned about And it was part of Esau's life. But also, remember, Rebecca betrayed Esau. She broke the trust. And trust between people is very fragile, is it not? Trust is something that we have to work hard as moms and dads and as parents and as children, but also in our relationships, that trust that holds us together. And when it's broken, it creates in us a rebellion. It creates in us an anger. It, re- it creates in us a an attempt to revive that which we've lost, that lack of trust, that bitterness. And when you look at Scripture there, you'll find that with Esau, he realized that This broken trust and that anger that was seething within him, that bitterness that was there, caused him to rebel. And how did he rebel? He found out that his mother didn't want him to marry the Hittites or the Canaanite girls. And guess who he married? He went right straight out and found the Canaanite and the Hittite girls and he married them. And what did Rebekah say? This is going to kill me. This is going to kill me. Now, I know, moms, as you look at your sons, you want to know who they're going to marry, right? Because there's a responsibility and there's a relationship there. And sometimes they bring home some girls that you go, I don't know about this. Okay, because it happens on the girls' side of the house too, right? Because you see, they bring home some guys that you're going, I don't know. And I found out that the more I told my girls not to get around these guys, guess who would they go to? It was like a magnet, okay? One of my daughters got into a relationship one time that was very intense, and I didn't like the guy. Uh, and he knew I didn't like him. And he knew we were going to have a meeting of the minds one day. And I got so perturbed at him one day that I decided I was going to tell both of them Stop and desist. Separate. Get out of here. Leave each other alone. And I realized real quick that what would happen the minute I said that, they would just become glued together. And sometimes you just have to let the natural course of events take place. And do what? Pray, pray, pray. Okay, every single day. But that betrayal that Esau felt, provided that ability to rebel against his mom, and he used it as justification. She did this to me, so therefore I'm going to make her pay. Rebecca planted those seeds of bitterness in his heart and in his life. And as you look at uh, psychology today, you realize they're talking about a new mental disorder. And this new mental disorder is post-traumatic emotional distress. This emotional distress that is an embitterment that takes place. Talking about 1% to 2% of Americans experiencing this bitterness in our lives. That anger that seethes deep within us. That anger that controls our emotion. That anger that finds itself manifesting itself in rebellion against our parents. In rebellion against our employers. That anger that many times we take out on the most innocent. As Scripture tells us that we don't want to be around people that are bitter, okay? People that are bitter seem to get us to the point that we want to move away from. Have you been around those people that just seem to be down all the time? You just And every time you get around them, they're negative. They're against everything there is. There's nothing positive. And the only thing you want to do is get out of their presence. That is that bitterness that was brought about. This morning, as we come together, this may be the hardest day of your life. Because as you look at your mother, you realize some negative feelings and negative thoughts. And you may have a difficult time even going to Walmart or going to the store and looking at those cards. Because the words that are on those cards are not what are in your heart. Your mom has betrayed you. She has failed to bond with you. She has been critical of you. And we know that those mothers are out there, do we not? Did you read the article about the mother who was putting antifreeze in drops that she would place in the eyes of her children? Mothers are doing some terrible, terrible, horrific things out there. And many have experienced that pain. But you know, God has a word for you today. God has hope for you today. God has given us a way to overcome those feelings. But you know, there was also, change the slide. There was also another perspective of Rebecca. And that was the perspective of Jacob. Jacob and Rebecca did what? They bonded together. They were one. She provided for him. She took care of his physical needs. She took care of all his emotional needs. She made sure he was happy. She made sure that everything in his life was just right. Because you see, Jacob was that quiet guy. You know, contrary to Esau, who was that outdoorsman, that hunter, that uh, fisherman, he was the guy that watched NASCAR every day, okay? Anytime he'd come on, he was the guy. He enjoyed that stuff. But here was Jacob, the quiet one. Here was Jacob, the steady one. Here was Jacob, the dependable one. Here was Jacob who worked in the tents. And Rebecca just bonded intensely with him. And she protected him, even to the point of deceiving, even to the point of lying, even to the point of having him steal that which wasn't his. But he felt secure. He had a plan. And his mother was there to encourage him. She taught him. The amazing thing when you look at Rebecca and you look at Jacob, with all that took place in her life, with all the love that she had for her son, when she sends him off, the pain is that she never sees him again. All that she did for him, all that she longed for him, all that she wanted for him, all that was involved in her life, she never saw him again. What a pain, right? What, what a disappointment. What a hurt. What, a, what a, uh, a time in his life. But, you know, your mother may have been very much like Jacob's mother. She may have been there great. She may have been there all the time. I remember coming into my house and uh my mom in those days would make homemade cinnamon rolls. And it would just, you know, it would just take the whole room. And you would just long to be there. And you know, and she could cook like no one else could cook, except for Jackie, of course. Okay. The good thing about my mom uh, about Jackie is that Jackie knows what I'll eat and what I won't eat. My mom had no no inkling of that. You ate what she prepared, regardless, okay? And if it was green peppers, you ate green peppers. That's just the way it was. And my mom's Hispanic, and so she likes food hot. No matter what, it is hot. And Jackie has graciously given in to that, okay? So there's no onions in our house you know she has her spices on the side because she knows I'm not going to eat them she has graciously done that but you know your mother may have been that type of person you know many times as as parents we want to be equal to our kids do we not we want to make sure that we treat them fairly and equally and most of us realize something real real quick that's almost an impossible task is it not there's some kids you can love and there's some kids that don't want to be hugged There's some kids that you can provide for, and they love it, and you can encourage them, and there's other kids that are just independent. And we as parents find it very, very hard in dealing with our kids. My mom and dad said, well, we had three boys, they had three boys, and we were all going to be equal. And my mom would make us clothes, and so we had the same shirts, okay, because material was cheaper in bulk than it was separately, so we all had those same shirts, They tried, but it's an awful hard thing to do, okay, an awful hard thing to do. And so we rejoice with you if your mother was that individual that met all your needs and that was there at every time, that lifted the banner for you, that bonded with you. And this day is a day of rejoicing, and this day is a day of celebration. But I believe it can be a day of celebration for all of us. I believe it can be a day in which we commit ourselves to God, because God has given us three things that we ought to do. One more time. Click the slide. Our responsibility, okay? Our responsibility in in Exodus the 20 chapter verse 12, he says, "To honor our parents, to honor our mother, to reflect. And have that reflected in our attitude. You know, the word honor is a hard thing to understand. How do I honor someone? How do I lift them up? How do I reverence them? How do I set them apart? And God has commanded us in his word to honor our parents. To honor them, to honor our mothers in the attitude that we have. And some of our attitudes towards our parents and towards our mothers have not been very good, have they? Our attitudes have been, so what? Our attitudes have been rebellion. Our attitudes have been that, you know, uh, they don't necessarily know what's going on in the world around them. But our honor is reflected in our attitude. It's reflected in our forgiveness. Our forgiveness. You know, when I think about forgiveness, I think that to be one of the hardest things that we as Christians have to deal with. Because when I look at that, I realize that we have to be taught how to forgive. Next slide there, Mitch. We need to learn how to forgive. And one of the ways we do is trust God that he will just make right all the wrongs in our lives. You know, many times we want the vengeance, do we not? Many times we want to make it right. But when you look at Romans 12:19, he says, "Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord; I will repay." God is going to take that and make it right if we're willing to trust him, if we're willing not to launch out on our own, if we're willing to use his strength and abilities in our lives. But he also tells us to empower the Holy, be empowered with the Holy Spirit with the right attitude. The Holy Spirit of God has got to change that which is going between our ears. Because between our ears, we are making all kinds of things. And we're thinking all kinds of things. And the Holy Spirit of God has got to come into our life. And he has got to, to clean and sanctify and redeem that which is within us. We need to accept the forgiveness that God has already granted unto us. He says if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just. Forgive you. Give us of all our sins and our righteousness. You know... We find it hard to forgive others when, in reality, we're some of the chief, chiefest of sinners. You know, it's so hard to judge other. It's so easy to judge other people when the sin is in our life. It's so easy to be critical to those and not know what's going on. It's so easy for kids to look at their parents and and assume that they know all that's going on in their lives. And therefore, we have to accept the forgiveness that God's given us. You know, Christ forgave each and every one of us the deepest of our sins. He forgave those lies. He forgave those times that we betrayed and that we deceived. He forgave us when we wouldn't even forgive ourselves. God forgave us. And we have to understand that forgiveness is a choice. You can choose to forgive or you can choose to take that hurt and that pain and box it up and every now and then open it up and relive it. You can take that pain and you can make it the very center of your being. You can take that pain and make it that which separates you from those that love you. You can take that pain and you can Force it into your life in such a way that you become abusive, not only physically, emotionally, but you become abusive to drugs and alcohol, that you become abusive in your language. It is that pain, it is that bitterness, and you can choose that. Or you can choose to let God come into your life and to cleanse you and to redeem you. And to give you the right attitude. And to give you the right thoughts. It is this forgiveness that we find when we help other people. You know, sometimes we just need to sit down and talk. And we just need to share. That's part of grief share, isn't it? That when we hurt and when we're in pain, listening and sharing. And sometimes with our hurt, we need to do that. When God teaches us to forgive, when he teaches us that we ought to give part of our lives. Next slide, Mitch. The second thing that he's taught us is that not only that we ought to honor our parents, that we ought to obey them. And I love that phrase there in Ephesians 6. He says, obey them in the Lord, right? Because some parents can ask you to do all kinds of things. But God wants us to obey them as unto the Lord and in relationship to the Lord. That parents should not be asking us to do things that are dishonest, things that are unethical, things that are contrary to the word of God. But he also says the third thing is, there in Mark the 7th chapter, the part of the Jewish tradition was that when your parents got older, that you were to take care of them, that you were to watch out after them. And what was happening here in Mark the 7th chapter was that the Christians decided that uh, when their parents got old, when they needed help, when they needed financial help, that they would take that money and they would give it to the church. And then they would tell their parents, sorry, I can't help you because I've already given your money to the church. And Jesus is saying, this is not right. You ought to take care of your parents. You ought to watch out after them. And many of us have gotten to that place, haven't we? Many of us have gotten to that place that our parents have gotten older. Our parents have gotten to the place that uh, they need to be taken care of. And many times our parents have gotten their heels dug in and they won't move. Okay, I know none of your parents are like that. That's just mine. My dad has decided that he is going to stay where he's at. He don't care what happens. He doesn't care how many times he falls. He doesn't care how many times he has to, you know, get help from the rescue squad. I am going to stay here. This is my home. This is where I want to be. You know, as kids, that's a hard thing to deal with, isn't it? When your parents have decided to dig in, you know, to entrench themselves and not move. My uncle said, well, just call the police. I'm going to call the cops on my dad. Come on. Are you out of your mind? Okay. Well, just declare him incompetent. Are you out of your mind? Okay. How do I act and how do I respond in a Christian way, right? How do I deal with my mom and how do I deal with those that are getting older and more stringent in their life? How do I do that? I do that by the grace of God, right? I do it with the leadership of God. And I do it in Jesus' name. I do it with that positive attitude. You know, as I looked at this, I realized something. I can only be responsible for who? For myself, right? And I'm responsible to one person. Who? God. And so I have to be able to follow his leadership. And though the world doesn't understand it, and though my siblings don't understand it, and though my aunts and uncles don't understand it, I'm responsible to God. And I've got to do that before him. Because, you know, I found that God understands what I'm going through. He understands that those relationships with our parents is a difficult, difficult thing. He understands betrayal. Can you imagine what he felt as those days that his disciples just left him, forsook him. He understands betrayals. When one of his very own sold him, he understands abandonment. He understands what it is to be left standing there with no one. But he also understands forgiveness. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What a gracious God we have. What a loving Father we have. That even today, for those that may come here hurting and in pain, wondering, how do I respect and honor and how do I lift up my mom? You can do it in the name of Jesus. You can do it through the power of His Spirit. And if your mom is that mom that has been there at all times, then we rejoice with you and we rejoice with her willingness to be that mom. And we also challenge each of us that we ought to be the parents that we ought to be to our children. And realizing what? Like Esau and Jacob, they saw mom in two different lights. Esau saw mom betrayal, dishonest, cruel. Jacob saw her as the greatest thing on earth, the greatest love of his life, that which he would go on. And in our families, we have that same thing, don't we? Have you ever sat down and talked to your brothers and sisters? Some of the stories they will tell you, some of the things, some of the perceptions that they have. You know, you'll talk about events in your family, and they'll go, you'll go, "What didn't that happen? Was I there? Because what they think and what they feel and what they remember is totally different what you experienced. And so this morning, as we close, we want to rejoice with our moms. We want to rejoice that God has granted them the ability. Because you know what? We all have one, right? We're all there, okay? We're all there. And God has granted us those that have given us life. And we need to praise the Lord for that. Because without them, we could never praise God. Without them, we could never share the gospel with our children. Without them, we wouldn't have children. Without them, we would be nothing. What a great time to celebrate our moms and to remember their efforts. And today, moms, oh, I tell you, I don't know how you do it, okay? I'm tired just watching you, okay? You work full-time jobs, you take care of kids, you manage a house, you're involved in church. You're going 24/7. I don't under I I really honestly, this is, you know, this is not preacher ease. I really don't know how you do it. Jackie and I sit back all the time going, were we that way? You know, did we really run around that crazy? And it's either we blotted it all out, okay, and we've just said, well, I'm just not going to remember those days, or you are doing a much, much heavier job than we did. And I appreciate, and I hope and pray your children appreciate all that you do, taking them, being there, supporting them, encouraging them. What a great opportunity. Shall we pray together? Father, we rejoice with those mothers who have been the teacher, who have been the professor, who have been the nurturer, who have been the provider, the protector. Lord, we rejoice with them. We we rejoice with their children. And Lord, we call them blessed. Blessed among men, for they have worked and given and sacrificed. They have sacrificed that we could enjoy They've sacrificed so that we could be part of their life. And Father, we pray that you'll be with those that are having a difficult time this morning, whose perspective of their mom may not be filled with joy and excitement. But Father, may they realize that they can rejoice as a family of God, that God has forgiven us and that he loves us, and that he wants to work within us. Father, as we come together as a church, encourage us in a powerful way. May we be the witnesses that we ought to be, and may we be the providers of the message of hope to the people that are wounded, that are hurting. Encourage us today as we seek your face, for we ask it in Christ's name, amen.